UCLA basketball and Mick Cronin, they're taking the right steps to fielding a pretty solid squad next year. But things could still fall through the cracks in recruiting. What's the best case scenario and what's the worst case scenario? Max and I debate it here on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm Zach Anderson. The Oxheimer joined once again by Max Kelton. Thanks for making this your first listen every day. It's free where we get your podcasts and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment and subscribe. It's your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as we teased UCLA, and as we've talked about this week, they're making some moves. They've got their first portal commit in Stefanovic, the transfer from Utah. They've got guys they're looking at in the portal. Guys are looking at overseas, Ilan Fible. We've talked about, teased about everything in between. But there are still things that could go wrong and a lot of things that can go right, which is why we're going to debate the best case scenario and what the worst case scenario, Max. What do you want to talk about? Are you a bad news first type of guy or are you a good news first type of guy? Here, let me hear the bad news first. Let's talk about that. Okay, bad news. Well, I think the bad news would be as follows. One, you've seen Hawkes and Clark. They're gone. Clark's already nursing an injury. That's a debate in and of itself if he comes back. You've got two. What if Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey, and Adem Bona all leave? So I think the best of all those is saying four of the five leave, maybe one come back, and you get your pick as to who comes back. If I had my pick, I think I would go with Amari Bailey. You know, this is a team that's already – somewhat deep where when it comes to their big men, um, especially with Nuba coming back, Mac ATN, I expect him to return. And that's what their the, the, the size looked like when they made a run through the tournament. That said, though, that tournament would have been, I believe, even with Hawkins and with Campbell, maybe a first or second round exit if Amari Bailey isn't playing up to his ability. Um, a young man who's playing out of his mind toward the end of the year. We talked about once Jalen Clark was injured, what was it, Zach? We, we mentioned it yesterday, 17 points per game. Um, just a, a guy who could score the ball and has stepped up on the defensive end, but he'll be a sophomore next year, one more year of experience, especially having made a run in the tournament this year. If I want one player back, I want Amari Bailey. But the big thing is, in this worst-case scenario, you don't get him, Max. He's gone. <laughs> you lose them all. So worst case scenario, as we get kind of crazy on this Locked On UCLA episode, you lose all the guys from last year that are key contributors. Singleton graduated. The only real returner is Nuba. He says, I'm coming back for a sixth year. He does not want to escape that college life. All jokes aside, for Kenneth Nuba, he's coming back, will be a veteran presence. But in worst case scenario, we're thinking Ilan Fible. He is going to choose Gonzaga, or he's going to go G League, and UCLA doesn't get him. Ade Mata is someone who UCLA wants. Maybe they get him and they bring over the 7-3 Spanish product and he doesn't pan out. And in this worst case scenario, let's take a look at this roster. It'd be Stefanovic at this moment because he's already committed. You have Andrews. You've got McClendon. You've got Sebastian Mack, Brandon and Devin Williams, Kenneth Nuba, Mac Etienne, 
And if I'm forgetting guys, it's off the top of my head, Max. And I think maybe you can throw in a Reese Dixon Waters potentially. If we're going to say everybody leaves, we'll bring in Dixon Waters and say he's a Bruin because UCLA would throw the NIL package at him if everybody leaves. And he wouldn't choose a San Diego State or anybody else over UCLA in this scenario specifically. And then you maybe go get another someone out of the portal. In the worst case scenario, Dixon Waters doesn't pan out. The shooting numbers don't improve. The point guards don't improve offensively, and they don't have that calm coolness that Tiger Campbell had. And then you've got a big man who's impressed as a teenager overseas, but then there's also translating that game into the college game and Mick Cronin style, which always hasn't necessarily been to feed the big man consistently. Well, I think our the worst case scenario with this this worst case scenario. So we've named about eight players, but you know a roster is made up of twelve to thirteen. Let's be clear, Mick Cronin will field a roster, a full roster. So there are even guys that we're not thinking about that will be on this roster if everybody leaves. Okay, so let's be clear, they will field a roster, and this is a team that with the talent and coaching that they have. They'll certainly, at at the very worst, be right in the heart, right in the middle of Pac-12 play come end of next year if if everything is nuked and they have to start again. Let's like let's get that straight. That's a rebuild. That's a total rebuild if everybody leaves. So they're going to rely seriously on Sebastian Mack in this scenario to run that offense. And I think that I think that Mack ATN will have a bigger role to you know. You'd have to. If they don't have yeah. true big men, if they don't yeah. get that 7-3 Spanish product at De Mata, if they don't get him, if they if all these overseas recruits fall through, if it doesn't work, if they want to stay home or stay away out of the U.S. for next year before the next before the NBA draft of 2024, sure. we're talking worst-case scenario. We're talking they don't get – this is as bad as it gets. UCLA will be very young, very inexperienced, and a lot of guys have to prove themselves. And in college basketball, there's different types of rebuilds. And UCLA is at the stage where a rebuild is only one year, and then you're moving to the Big Ten. And that sure. gets even more serious. Because you can be good in the Big Ten, and all of a sudden you lose seven games, and then you get to the Sweet 16, right? That's yeah. Or you could be the number one team in the conference, and you lose in the first round, right? Like, like, like Purdue. So it, it, a rebuild is different from what UCLA. It's only you suffer one bad year. You can't go back-to-back years. And then all of a sudden, you've got to be good. So for this team, I think worst case scenario is we've already seen a lot of recruits fall through the cracks in this 2023 recruiting cycle for McCronin and company. And while we're very confident and there's more and more reports that Mara might be on his way, even Fible is getting a lot of love from UCLA where they might go more overseas as opposed to getting all the freshmen for the class of 23, there still is proven this year to be a tough cycle for McCronin at this point. And if that holds on for the rest of the summer into the fall heading into the winter season, UCLA could be stuck with a very young roster that I'm not entirely sure has proven itself with all of its talent. They've got guys who can grind and play defense, but it's different with the talent and what they've got to deal with. Well, they haven't proven themselves, but it's not like we haven't seen it before, right? You have a freshman class coming in made up Sebastian Mack, who could be somewhat of an Amari Bailey, he could pop off toward the end of the year, or a guy like Devin Williams, who could show that he's a freshman of the year with the Pac-12, much like a Dembona this year. So there were two freshmen who came in and played some serious minutes in this, this offense for Mick Cronin this year. 
let me be you know let, let me be a little hesitant though to, to to give them that kind of credit because Bailey and Bona didn't have to be that dude they didn't have to lead this team you know they were they were able to play second fiddle or even third fiddle or even fourth fiddle to Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbell where you know there was some experience that was able to lead the charge and they could be somewhat of, of a role player um so you know that that's the difference it's not that we haven't seen young players freshmen be stars at this or level sophomores. We, exactly you know we saw it this year it's just we haven't had to see them be the number one option. And I'm curious as to see in this worst case scenario, how Mick Cronin maps that out. And the biggest thing is this is, I believe the last year, maybe two, depending on how things play out of the COVID year. So this will still be a very old year of college basketball teams. What I mean by that is look at the average age, look at these guys in the portal going to get their NIL money, maximize their potential, their college playing career, Maybe they're not NBA ready or even NBA elites, but they're good at the college game and their name is good enough to make a lot of money. There's a lot of older players and it's going to take a long time for a young team to get good in 23-24 as we get the last thoughts from Max. Well, just just real quick, you know, you look at that San Diego State team that made it to the national title. They got there because of experience, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think that that's the – that's – the the landscape of college basketball this year, but be sure that it's going to restructure down to youth in the next couple of years. You just want to be on the right side of that. Yeah, but for now, we're old and we're loving it. That's <laughs> why you've got to enjoy Coming up, we get the best case scenario. Best case scenario. We got all that and more on Locked On UCLA. We started with the bad news and we'll give you the good news. The good news is, if you're bad at betting, if you're doing all that, you should join FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. Because there's no better place to get it on the MLB action, the number one sportsbook all throughout America. Because if you're a new customer and you fail in your first bet, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you're watching on YouTube, go to that URL, FanDuel.com slash locked on. And you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you lose the bet. You can get Aaron Judge, see if he's going to hit a home run. You can see who's going to go over on strikeouts. with the. Maybe you can even go and check out what's the timing of the game because Pitch Clock has done all sorts of wonders in terms of moving the speed of the game. Don't miss your chance for a no-sweat first bet. All you have to do is sign up, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and make every moment more. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball and sports betting partner with us here at Locked On. Cruising on here in Locked On UCLA, Zach Anderson, Yoxam, alongside Max Kelton. Max dancing along if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, you probably you can't see it. it. It is what it is. So go to YouTube and watch it as well. We're talking best case scenario. This is how this UCLA team can get good in 23-24. Mick Cronin and the coaching staff, Ivo Samovich, is putting in work overseas. Ilan Fible, Ade Mada. If I'm saying those names correctly, we're trying our best. The Spanish and the French names, they don't exactly roll off the tongue as I'm trying to do it as greatly as I can. But they are very good basketball players, a shooting guard, a 7-3 product. There's even rumors, reading from Bruin Report Online, you can still get Bona, Mara is a 7-3 and Fible, and then you've all of a sudden got a huge team with a lot of explosive athleticism and talent 
This is why UCLA could be very good. We just need to wait for these official signees to commit to UCLA. Your thoughts on a potential best-case scenario, Max? Best-case scenario, it, it centers around a lot of returners. You know, players that proved themselves last year, handsome youth, uh, don't feel like they're ready to move on to the next level yet. For Bona, that would be due to an injury in in in, in my eyes. You know, he's he's gotta he's gotta be able to nurse that injury, get back to full health. And I think And then that, expand his offensive game too. You betcha. You I mean, I, I think I think that we haven't seen the ceiling in college hoops for Bona, you know, and, and there's still hey, there's still a lot of NIL money out there for these players, right? And and I think that's we just talked about it in the last segment, you know, we talked about experience, why it's such an old league right now. I think that's the reason why, because a lot of those guys who are 22, 23 years old aren't going to be making some serious dough at the NBA level because a lot of a lot of that money goes to the younger players. But NIL money is still there. So I think that there's a lot of NIL money for these returners to be had. The Except men for the internationals. <laughs> to be fair, okay, Fible is not one of those guys, but but for the returners, right? You know, for for a guy like for a guy like Bailey to come back, um, and he he could he could get some serious dough. So I I'm expecting if in in this best case scenario, we see Bailey return, we see Bona return. But Zach, I pose you a question: with that injury to Jalen Clark, the Defensive Player of the Year, the Naismith National Defensive Player of the Year. That's typically a nine-month to a one-year recovery. He had that injury in March. If Jalen Clark returns, is that in the best-case scenario or worst-case scenario? Well, for dreaming, he comes back and it's just an absolute stud, and then he just does this all next year, and he just delays this whole process by a year. If he comes back, the teams say, we don't like this, although it might be a bit scary if you think about it. The NBA teams say, hey, They've got NBA trainers, health, everything. You know, you've got load management. They they seemingly know how to keep players healthy, right? I'm not entirely sure. But if you think about it, if an NBA team doesn't want him and he's coming back to college, is that because he's a damaged he's damaged goods, or they think he needs an extra year, needs that time to get healthier, and they want him to prove a little bit more offensively? I think UCLA. We should all, as fans, you know, people who cover the team, everything, we would love to welcome him back with open arms. Because if Clark comes back, the the name value, the the talent, what he did has already been good, right? But then it comes down to like when you're playing, you're paying an older veteran, right? Someone's contract comes up in a pro league. Are you paying for what they've done or what they're going to do? And what is Jalen Clark going to do? He said he's potentially available ahead of schedule in mid-January or maybe in, uh, in mid-December, potentially January. If it's, it's more of an Achilles injury, those things tend to be closer to a year. It's not an Achilles tear, I believe, from what I've heard. Otherwise, that would be way worse. But he's still nursing that. And it almost came at, it did come at the worst possible time, literally, to crush one season, ruin his NBA prospects potentially for now, and hurt his hopes of even coming back and contributing maybe significantly for next year. Worst case scenario is he just isn't the same player. Best case scenario is he's told to come back, and UCLA has the National Defensive Player of the Year. And maybe he just needs to be 85% of himself, and that's still better than almost 95% of the players around the country on defense. Again, you know, I think that this UCLA team is desperately looking for a leader. We talked about all of its youth. 
um, you know, as as much as Kenneth Nuba coming back in his sixth year will will help as a, as an older player, a veteran on this team. You know, a, a guy, a center who's getting about twenty minutes per game. That's not your your floor general. That's not your leader. Jalen Clark could be that if he's healthy. You know that, and I think that's a a really big if. You look at he. Of course, he says that he's on track to come back early because every player does. But let's be clear, you know, I, I don't see him returning before January, and that's if he's really lucky. Um, I think that we have to be weary of, of a Jalen Clark return because this is a serious injury. It's no joke. And just because he comes back doesn't mean he'll be good to go right away or be able to produce at that level. That said, though, I do expect him, if he does return, and if he is – 80, 90, 100% healthy, he's going to be an elite presence on the defensive end of the ball and add 12 to 13, maybe 15 points per game. He's a guy that I want to return, but I'm just praying that if he does return, he'll be good to go come January on for conference play because if that's not the case, it's a question of is he stealing NIL money from a guy who we could be going after in the portal, somebody like Reese Dixon Water, something like that. The other thing, too, is then you debate more on Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey. I think best-case scenario, you get Bailey and Bona. Clark is one of those ifs, maybes. You can't really count on him, but you would want him just as that veteran presence. Tiger Campbell would be interesting, right? If you're getting a lot of youngsters, then you might be halting the development of Andrews and McClendon and Mac if Tiger comes back one more year. But then there's the debate of, well, he has one year leading scores. He's a guy that can just take care of the basketball. And if you just need someone to facilitate tiger can do that, play some good defense. And he could be that leader on the floor that UCLA, our minds were thinking needs. It could be a Clark. Maybe Bailey needs to step up and be that guy. Maybe it's someone else who needs to be that guy. Is it Kenneth Nuba? They need a leader. And that was clearly Hawkes and Campbell and Jalen Clark, especially defensively. But as you can see, those are veteran core members of play of, of a team who made it to the final four and a sweet 16 and dealt with COVID and everything in between. They went from UCLA losing to mid majors at home in 1920 to all of a sudden making to the final four, the very next season under Mick Cronin in the second year. So best case scenario, let's get down to the nitty gritty here, Max, as we begin to wrap up our thoughts here, I think you get Fible, you can get a Mata, you bring back Bailey, Bone is a question mark. So you get those three guys and you fill out another roster spot with Stefanovic and you've got all the freshmen and the youngsters, the rising sophomores with Anuba and Etienne. I wouldn't think that's a pretty bad roster in my mind. No, you know, I, I think Tiger Campbell is one of those guys I'd love to have back. Now, he's not at the top of my list because you you mentioned if he does return, he's he is taking about 30, 32, 34 minutes per game depending but he's got some serious experience. He's a tremendous distributor, and he's a leader. That's what they kind of need right now. They need a quarterback on the hardwood. So I first things first, I'd rather get Bailey over Campbell because Bailey can run the floor with Sebastian Mack at the same time. Now, I, I also think that there's serious value to having Tiger Campbell return because while he and Sebastian Mack wouldn't play, generally wouldn't play together at the same time, um, I think that he would be a really good mentor type of person, you know, type of player for for Mac. And then second year for Sebastian Mac, he can move into that starting role and get some serious minutes. 
I don't expect, you know, I don't expect serious starting minutes from a guy like Dylan Andrews or Will McClendon. I think Andrews could be a six man off the bench, but I don't expect him to run this offense. Who I do expect to run the offense, a guy like Bailey, a guy like uh, Tiger Campbell, or Sebastian Mack at a very young age. But I think that'll happen maybe halfway through the season, if so. So I, I was, I was in my mind, Max. I'm thinking maybe Andrews gets the first crack at it, and then Mack. You think but it's, so? it's kind of the. It, it just depends, right? They're it, it, they're looking for a point guard, and I'm not entirely sure how Andrews and or Mack truly fit that role into what they're losing most likely in Campbell, but in the best case scenario, maybe he comes back. So yeah. it will be, I think, a battle between, is it a McClendon, Andrews, right? Of course, McClendon at the moment hasn't been able to shoot the ball as well. Andrews did it on occasion, but not consistently with volume. And then we have to see how Mac translates to the Division One level and the college three-point line, which is pretty deep, but let me tell you, out there these days compared to the high school line. So it will be a battle for who's the starting point guard I might give the edge to Andrews, but then that's why we would love to see Campbell come back and play that next year and give extra love to Tiger Campbell. Well, we're in agreement that Andrews is going to get some real playing time, real PT this year. You know, he was he was getting some some maybe solid 10 to 15 minutes per toward the end of the season. Uh, but I I would expect him to have a have a, a larger role because of the departure of a few of those those guards that, you know, did steal some minutes from him. Um, we know Hawkes won't return, so he's not even in the questions. So somebody's going to have to step up in that leadership role. And, and the scoring, who's going to score 17? Yeah. They yeah. need someone who's going to score those 17, 18 yeah. points per game. And if it's You're Bailey, that's good if he comes back. And that's why if you're thinking best case scenario, Bailey takes that scoring role. Then who's going to take that number two role? Is that a Stefanovic? Or is Stefanovic going to be that 3A, 3B scorer? Maybe a bit better and more consistent than Singleton because you'll probably take more shots. And then who's that number two score? That's where you wonder, is it a, a combination of Amara if he comes and commits, right? A, a, a Fible, the Frenchman who could potentially commit. UCLA in on both those guys, one from France, the other one a 7-3 Spanish product, both very highly rated in terms of the early look at the 2024 NBA draft with their NBA skills. And we've talked about those guys recently. So if you, have, if you missed those episodes, go back and watch what we talked about Mara and Fible and their NBA potential ready skills with the reports of them getting some big-time looks from UCLA and other big-time programs. But best-case scenario, they can snag those guys, and all of a sudden their class of 23 looks a lot better than it did around the turn of the winter, or even earlier this year, what, March, February, when Marcus and Adams said, no, I'm going to go to Kansas. And even though he's a 24, maybe reclassifying, UCLA is looking for the guys to fill and be a good team. And I think it starts with Bailey coming back. It starts with Bona two, and then you get one, if not two of those international products. And then it comes down to maybe a veteran or two between Clark or Campbell coming back. Of course, Campbell can immediately contribute and Clark would contribute in a different way later down the line and would be an ace in the hole for the final two months of the season. You know, that's best case scenario. So boy, that would be, once you find that the Tiger Campbell's coming back or Amari Bailey, by the way, we will find out in the next, what, 10 days, Zach? I think April 23rd is the deadline to declare. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm i thrilled for the, you know, for, for the next 10 days to, to roll around, to see those announcements, to get a better understanding of what this roster looks like next year. 
but I think that there's some serious promise regardless. Are they a title contender? Does best case scenario make them a title contender, Zach? I mean, I, I leave that question to you. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't fully sold on the team coming into this year as a title contender. There's a lot of unknowns with a few freshmen coming in, and those freshmen panned out. It really came down to unfortunate injuries at the wrong time. And I think, I'm not going to speak for you, Max, I was fairly confident this Bruins team would have gone all the way. And considering how things played out, I think UCLA was one of the better teams in the country. But again, it's a long grind. It's not the NBA grind, but it's a long grind through a season, and it's March Madness for a reason. And it started, unfortunately, with an injury, and then a bow on his shoulder. And then while they gave all their heart out, they just could not play. They just couldn't do any more against Gonzaga, only to see that Gonzaga got absolutely throttled by the eventual national champions. So I think next year, you just want to be in the conversation because I'm not entirely sure who's that team going to be next year, right? I think UConn would be one of the favorites. Maybe Houston might be up there, but I'm not sure who those favorites are at this moment. And in the early top 25 rankings, UCLA showing up, and I don't even think they have a roster worthy of called good right now, right? They have guys who haven't had to de- made decisions, and I know those early projections or something, but once they fill in these roles, I think they could ver- be a very good team. And as we saw this year, you only need to be a very good team and get hot at the right time. You're you're spot on, and I think th- I think Duke could be a really good team next year. You know, talking about early projections, but you know, this team had all of the pieces this year to make a title run. And had it not been for Jalen Clark's injury, had it not been for Dembona missing two of the three games in the tournament that they, um, you know, that, that he was really able to play, I think that they they really had a good shot. Um, but let you know. Had they beaten Gonzaga and played UConn and then maybe gotten blown out by UConn, I think this would have been a different conversation, really. Um, That said, though, the fact that they were able to make a run with the pieces that they had uh, without, you know, the the best player, best defensive player of the year was very impressive. But without Jaime Hawkins is a totally different team. I don't know if they're title worthy, but certainly a team that can make the Elite Eight and make some noise. I mean, you're beating Gonzaga and you're in the lead eight. I don't think that's really a failure. It just felt at least one round short of what this team was capable of with what the dreamlike scenario was for 22 and 23. But one, shot, comments, one shot short. Yeah, one, one shot short, five seconds short, everything in between from reaching a lead eight. But in the comments on YouTube, you guys should go there, watch the show, put in your thoughts. Tell us what you think. Best case scenario, worst case scenario. I know there's a lot of unknown moving parts going back and forth. Because who's going to be on the team? You're dealing with guys who may sign in national letters of intent, national NLI, NIL, and all those things. They kind of boggle the mind. But you just have to deal with those questions. And while we're kind of speculating now, we don't have all the information, things are trending more towards a better case scenario than a worst case scenario. But at the moment, we have to see what these individuals decide for their career and how much Mick Cronin and company can convince these international players, that they fit a system, they've got enough spots, and that their roles will actually lead to them being good next year. So that's why you should go in the comments or hit us at Locked On Bruins, tweet at us, and say, hey, you know, you guys are idiots or you're smarter. Tell us what you think UCLA needs to be better for next season. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, this has been Locked On UCLA. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and download and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. For Max Kelton, I'm Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer. We're going to put our hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. 
And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A, U, C, L, A, fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Stay tuned for the rest of the episodes this week. We've got good stuff. A little bit of women's volleyball. We're talking even more baseball and softball. We're going to talk some football as well. And as always, any basketball breaking news, you should stay tuned for it here on Locked On UCLA. Become an everydayer. Become an everyday listener and viewer of the Locked On UCLA podcast. You will not regret it. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.